0: This is episode 120 with elite trail runner, member of the 2015 silver medal winning team at the World Long Distance Mountain Running Championships, and the outreach specialist for the American Trail Running Association, Mr. Peter Maximo. This is the Strength Running Podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald my job to bring you industry leaders in the running community to help you improve your training, broaden your horizons about the sport, and get more from running. Our guest today is fun, he's fast, and he loves running up steep mountains. Mr. Peter Maximo is deeply embedded in the mountain, ultra, and trail running scenes as a youth coach, elite athlete himself, a former race director, and the outreach and partnership specialist's for the American Trail Running Association, also known as ATRA. I met Peter in October while I was at the US Trail Running Conference up in Estes Park, Colorado, to speak on a coaching panel, and he was representing the Trail Association, and I was fortunate enough that he decided to sit at my table at lunch, and we were able to talk more about what ATRA does, public lands issues, and what I do, helping runners with their training and their mindset about running. I wanted to bring Peter on the podcast to talk more about the many issues that us runners rarely think about. Everything from trail maintenance, public lands conservation, plogging, the history of the New England Hazy IPA, which is actually quite fascinating, his reason for dressing like a pirate for Halloween, and a lot more. This interview is an excerpt from our full conversation that's available for team strength running members. If you're not sure what team strength running is, head on over to strengthrunning.com TSR to find out. I think you're going to love it. It's our affordable group coaching program that gives you access to me as your coach, a team, gear discounts, our training plan library, strength routines, and a lot more. I think you're really going to get a lot of value from it. Okay, without further delay, please welcome Peter Maximo to the podcast. Hey, Peter, thanks for making some time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sorry for the uh, the long, long wait. Yeah, this is the second time we've tried uh, sitting down to chat, but I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we happened to sit with each other at lunch at the Trail Running Conference uh, last month, and and we got to meet each other. So I have to admit. Before meeting you and attending the Trail Running Conference, I was not aware of the organization that you work for, the American Trail Running Association. But, um, you know, it's been around for over 20 years. And I'd love to start here and talk a little bit more about um, the American Trail Running Association and what you guys do.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people have said that. We are a very small nonprofit organization based here in Colorado. Uh, Nancy Hobbs is the founder and executive director. Um, She founded ATRA in 1996. And uh, if you know anything about Nancy, she's been instrumental in the trail running community and industry for a long, long time. She worked at um, Trail Runner Magazine. She started the first women's mountain running team way back in the 90s. And just been a huge advocate for the, the sport in general. And uh, yeah, so thanks to her, we, we have this little small nonprofit that um, some people haven't heard of, but uh, we try to do a lot with uh, what little resources we have. There's uh, only four of us in the organization, myself uh, being one of them, um, outreach and partnership specialist. Then there's Nancy Hobbs, obviously. She, She's the executive director. Richard Bolt is our uh, marketing guy. And uh, then Tate Coleman is our newest addition. And Tate's been on a few U.S. mountain running teams and great ambassador for the sport. We're, uh, we're hoping he'll get the uh, millennials and the younger generation excited about trail running.
0: Yeah, I hope so. And, and it's my understanding that trail running is a very quickly growing sport. Is that right?
1: Yes, very quickly. Uh, even five years ago, um, you've seen a huge increase in particularly sponsorships at the higher levels. Uh, so elite athletes. Um, Ten years ago, you saw some sponsorships, but nothing was major. Uh, athletes couldn't really live off of the sponsorships but now there's big players getting involved hoka solomon uh, so a lot of the big big companies Saucony is another one that's been really investing in trail running recently so that's exciting for a big big brand like that one of the top in in the world to uh to see the uh the expansion and get involved
0: Well, I have long been an advocate for runners to do more of their running on trails, not just because I think it's it's actually good for them, you know, just to get some trail running in during their training, even if they're training for road races. But it's just more fun, you know. You get off the road, you get away from the traffic, and you just have these amazing experiences in wooded areas or you know any kind of off road environment. And when I look back on you know my running career. I don't think I ran too many trails the first couple years of my running career but then you know I had one of the captains on our cross country team Uh, spend his summer scouting all of the conservation land in our uh, town where I grew up. And so when we started cross country that fall, we had all of these routes, you know, we had our four mile loop, our six mile loop, you know, no matter what distance we wanted to run, we had a great opportunity just to go and get off the road and just explore the town in a way that we never have before. And it really changed my perspective on things, but I, I think it was really interesting that we never actually called it trail running. We were just running And we're just running in the woods. And I I think now trail running is this more formal thing where, you know, you can actually go enter a trail race. And and I think that's, you know, great for runners because, you know, there's this whole other element to the sport of running now. And uh, I think that's very exciting. And I think it gives runners this cool opportunity to do something very different you know, I was uh, talking with Max King, who is at the trail conference. I had him on the podcast recently. And we did briefly touch on this whole topic of public lands. And something I learned a lot more about at the running conference, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about it, too. Um, How do you think we could bring more awareness to this issue? And, And I ask because I'm still learning about it myself. And the more I learn, the more I realized how beneficial these places are to our communities.
1: Well, that's one thing that we've been talking about um, extensively at ATRA. Uh, We have some board members that are are very passionate and um, are aware that there is a lack of participation amongst trail runners, Um, whereas there is an abundance of participation. I'm talking about trail maintenance, trail building with uh, mountain bikers. Uh, that's because IMBA is a very, very large organization. It's the International Mountain Biking Association. And um, they they get involved. They are, are building new trails. And um, I think what has happened is trail runners see those trails, go and run on them and say, oh, that's great. You know, we have these trails and don't really think beyond that. Whereas mountain bikers are they need a lot more space because they're going much further than runners. And so they're organized and they're building these trails. Um, And, you know, once something is there and you, you haven't had to work on it and you just go and run it and say, that's great. uh, Then, then you don't think further beyond, you know, what it takes to maintain. So I, I think it's important for, trail runners in particular to educate themselves and to get involved. Um, We just did a survey on uh, trailrunner.com. It's our website um, for trail runners who participate because you probably remember the whole uh, trail parasite article in um, outside magazine. Outside magazine online. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you remember how much, um, that got publicity on social media and people being very angry about it. And then factions fighting over, uh, you know, trail runners versus mountain bikers.
0: Yeah. I, I did kind of think the whole thing was a little silly because, uh, you know, first of all, you know, I, I do think mountain bikers do more damage to the trails just because of the nature of their sport. Um, that, that doesn't necessarily mean they need to take up more of the trail maintenance job, but at the same time, you know you've you, you know it's it's clear it's true that trail runners don't do the type of trail maintenance that uh, mountain bikers do and and I think you know, that doesn't mean we're parasites. I, I think the article was a little bit abrasive, but at the same time, maybe it did bring up a valid point that we do need to help out a bit more.
1: right. yeah, and hopefully that was the point, you know tongue in cheek, uh, again, uh, it was personally. I'm not speaking for Atra here. I did find it a little offensive. Like um, there's a fine line between humor and just um, I won't say verbal diarrhea, but a <laughs> but, uh, print diarrhea. And it was just, it went too far. Um, again, uh, it, it, it didn't unite anyone. It, 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 if anything, it made people fight. And um, there were a lot of trail runners, ultra runners in particular that, that, did chime in, shared it, argued about it, said, no, we do a lot of work. And these are, are, um, factions that do do a lot of work. They are very, very involved in, in, you know, requiring hours before you do a, an ultra, uh, Western States or Hard Rock, whatever it may be. But that's a small percentage of trail runners in general. And, this is why we did the survey to, to show that, well, to learn, for one, because did no one had stats on this, uh, whereas uh, mountain bikers do have a lot of stats on that because they keep track of the hours uh, that they put in. Um, but uh, we, there was about 50% that did not get involved, trail runners, from 20, about 2,500 respondents. And so that showed us that, yeah, there are a lot of trail runners that, uh, and not, no fault of their own, they just weren't aware that there was any um, organization or entity that they could get involved with to maintain and or build trails. And um, a lot of people, most people did not know that we have a resource on our, uh, on our page, trailrunner.com. Um, that allows you to find organizations that, that do maintain trails in your area. And, um, you know, that a lot of people just didn't know about that. (laughs) There's one comment on social media that says, oh, they're not, you know, who is atro? They're not involved in any of these, um, you know, they don't have resources. And then, uh, they replied to their own comment. I take that back. I just found it on their webpage. And so, <laughs> I, and I think that's what we do nowadays, right? We just, we respond immediately. Like we, if we don't have the fact, we just respond and to, to what we believe. And I, I, I think that's dangerous. We need, to be, we need to be knowledgeable and educated on whatever topic we're talking about. We can't just blurt out our feelings. I, I think the truth is important.
0: Right. I think one of the pieces of wisdom I've heard lately that I really love is don't always believe the things that you think. And uh, it's a good piece of advice just to to stop and pause and really do some thinking before you just blurt out whatever is, is rummaging around in your head. Um, but, you know, right. I have to admit that I, I'm, I'm one of these people. I was surprised about the whole trail maintenance issue when that outside article came out that uh, was – controversial. Um, and I learned a lot more about it at the running conference about a month ago. Uh, can you talk more about, you know, what, what exactly is trail maintenance and why is it so necessary? How can runners get involved? You know, like what, what is this kind of trail maintenance issue? And, um, you know, if runners did want to learn more about it in their area, where can they go?
1: So, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily going out and building new trails. It's, it's being aware and this comes back to the public lands piece. It's um, you know, it, there's a reason why you, in some places, you can't just go in and run anywhere you want. You're, you know, there's flora and fauna that you have to be aware of. You don't want to damage uh, environments. Um, and if you have a path through a place where there's one, one section where, you know, if you keep up the trail, maintain it, that you can see all of these areas without destroying, um, you know, basically leaving no trace. That's, that's, uh, that's the motto of a a lot. It should be a lot of trail runners. Um, but it's just being aware, being aware of, of your surroundings. And, you know, basically you're, you're there to experience nature. And with the increase in trail runners, that makes it more difficult in terms of um, impact that we have on the environment and the areas that we're going into. So, um, I guess it all starts with knowledge, like being aware that um, that um, we have this ability to go and experience nature without without uh, disrupting it. And um, you know, and as I said, we have on our uh, resources page. Of TrailRunner.com, we have uh, trail maintenance, trail building, and trail advocacy. So these these are basically what we're trying to create to to leave a lasting legacy. So you know, it could be as easy as picking up trash on the trail. Um, that's you know, I, I wrote an article last year on flogging uh, and uh, for my 40th birthday, I. I was injured at the time and I wasn't able to run, but I went out on a local dirt road here, a rampart range road. And my goal was to collect 40 pounds of trash. And, uh, that's what I did for my birthday. And uh, the hope was to inspire others. You know, I did it to, to, to make myself feel better about being out and, uh, helping the environment. But, um, Basically, getting other people involved is important as well. You know, if someone sees me doing that, and and it there were a few other people that went out and started doing it, I started a, a Facebook group called Pike's Peak Bloggers, and we we post photos of sort of the cleanups we do and um, trash we find, the interesting things. There's a lot of interesting things that you can find out on the trails and in the mountains, and Again, it it can be as easy as picking up one piece of trash. That's a hashtag. It has just one piece. So that's doing your part. Being aware doesn't mean you have to go out and spend uh, two weeks uh, cutting a new path into a a mountainside. Um, You know, that is also important, but doing your part and bending over and picking up one piece of trash is also important.
0: Yeah, it's almost like this ethos of not just leaving no trace, but leaving the area a little bit better than what you found it. And I think that if we all had that level of responsibility, the trails would just be a lot better, well-maintained, prettier, less pollution and trash out there. And there's nothing wrong with that.
1: I do want to say that um, we have seen that in our group. Um, there, There was someone who posted on the Peck Peak Bloggers, um, I went for a four mile run. Did not see one piece of trash, and it was it was a post that we had never seen because the, the, all the posts are look at all this trash I found. So it it is working, you know, especially in our our little bubble, a little area, um, and if a lot of people did that in their little bubbles, then yeah, we'd have a lot of clean
0: bubbles. Well, I hope that the more than 10,000 people downloading this podcast will take this lesson to heart. I'm going to link out to that resources page on trailrunner.com so that you can see if there's any trail maintenance opportunities near you, wherever you live. And uh, if not, then you can just do a little plogging. And I I actually just learned about plogging, which I I think is just a hilarious kind of word. So plogging, and that's a P-L-O-G-G-I-N-G, is and running and picking up trash at the same time. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah, it was a uh, a practice that started in Sweden and very, very recently. And um, there was a guy that just uh, decided to put a uh, a name to it. And uh, that was another thing in that trail parasite article that uh, it was sort of slap in the face to me. It was uh, plogging. Why do we need a name for it? we used to just call it picking up trash. It's like, well, it gets people doing it. <laughs> yeah. What does it hurt to have a name for? It? Um, so yeah, I, I, found that interesting. Yeah. So it's, uh, basically Swedish activity. Plaka up means to pick up. And, uh, it, it uh, plogging was just sort of that, that combination of, uh, of, of running, um, and picking up trash you know you're out there on the trails anyway you might as well do something good for the environment and apparently you're working harder because you're when you bend over using some big muscles the glutes and the the hamstrings so you're actually working harder uh than just a a normal run
0: there you go it's like it's like cross training
1: yeah or walking (laughs) you know there's some people on the page that say oh i don't I don't run, so I can't call it plogging. It's like, no, you can call it plogging. You're, you're picking up trash. You're, you're active. That's, that's the important thing. We don't want to get into semantics here.
0: No, I don't think so. Um, Peter, I thought it would be fun to do uh, a couple quick questions. Uh, some of these are fun. Some of these are just getting to know you a little bit better. And uh, my first one was going to be, what is plogging? But I'm glad we covered that one already. Uh, now, I know, you're, I know you're a beer drinker. Like myself, you're in a good state for uh, having a lot of great craft beer. So what's your favorite type of beer?
1: Oh, that's a really difficult question to answer.
0: There's so many good ones.
1: Yeah, there is. And I think Colorado, and I've lived in a lot of different places, a lot of different states. Um, I would say probably all of the best states for beer, uh, California, Colorado, Vermont. And I think Colorado is pushing the boundaries. So I would say seven, eight years ago, there was a, a big uh, movement with the hazy IPAs. And I think that started with one beer in particular, in my opinion, was Hetty Topper from the Alchemist. And they're out in Waterbury, Vermont. And they just made this beer that was incredible, but it had... It had this haze to it, and it's unlike anything uh, that's been done before, other than like, you know, Hefeweizen, uh, German style, which they had the yeast in the bottom, they had some sediment, but IPAs, like the whole West Coast really aggressively hopped. They were all super clear. Um, so it was something different. And that has even evolved to the next level, especially here in, in Colorado with, uh, Milkshake IPAs and uh, IPAs with lactose and fruit in them. So it, it, it's an evolving process, which is exciting. You know, the, the, the taste buds evolve, and uh, it, it should be evolving. I think if you're you're stationary and you're not uh, progressing or advancing, then you become stagnant. And that that's true with uh, with beer and in life. So to answer your question i don't i wouldn't say I have a favorite. I am partial to the hazy i p a s but I love barrel aged stouts. I love barley wine. I like uh sours like the sour um, push in the u s has definitely come along. There's some amazing breweries that are doing great things um, up near you, Funkworks is one of them. Um, I just recently went out to Glenwood Springs and there's a place called Casey Brewing that are making these incredible sours, you know, and they're, they're using wild yeast strains, botanomyces. They're putting them in barrels and aging them in various wine and whiskey barrels. And so again, that's the evolution. You, uh, you can't do that in Germany and call it beer because they have a, they have a German purity law, which, Uh, they do not allow for that.
0: Oh, interesting. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's called the Reinheitsgebot. So they only allow, and this is a purity law from, I don't know the exact date, 1609 in the 1600s where there is only, by law and it's still on the books to this day, four ingredients can be in your beer. Uh, Water, yeast, hops and any type of malt, whether that be wheat or barley or uh, any type of grain. So we do not abide by that in the U.S. Thank God. We are rebels. (laughs)
0: kind of reminds me of growing up in massachusetts which has this very puritan heritage to it uh the town i lived in did not sell alcohol on sundays which has you know kind of harkens back to those old 17th century purity laws where you know sunday is is reserved you know there's there's certainly no alcohol consumption on a sunday but peter that was a that was a great beer lesson. I, I learned more about kind of the evolution of the hazy IPA in the last two minutes than, than I have living here for the last five years.
1: Yeah, well, Massachusetts is is, somewhat, is the mecca for some of these hazy IPAs. You have Treehouse Brewing, you have Trillium, you have some really, really incredible breweries there too. So maybe they, uh, they took that Puritan idea and flipped it.
0: Yeah, I think um, the New England style IPA is one where, you know, if it's a New England style, I know I'm probably going to like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, Peter, were you a pirate for Halloween just because you already have a beard worthy of Captain Blackbeard?
1: That was part of it. The other (laughs) part was the the peg leg, and this is a a new um, thing to come up. Um, I ruptured my Achilles about three and a half weeks ago, which is no fun.
0: No, I, I don't recommend it.
1: Yeah. So I had the beard. Uh, someone let me, my friend, Jacqueline, let me borrow a, uh, called an eye iWalk. Um, basically, it's a peg leg. You, you put your foot in it, your, your knee in it, and your lower leg is pointed at 90 degrees backward. And uh, it basically looks like you have a peg leg. So I thought that was a good addition to the pirate look. <laughs> it sounds you know, and perfect. And then I, I have a big beard. And, Um, I added some glowing earrings and um, some items of clothing that I've acquired on my travels around the world. Uh, So, yeah, that (laughs) part of it was the beard. But I think the main part was the peg leg. The peg leg really pushes that pirate.
0: I mean, yeah, the peg leg, the beard. You're an opportunist. How can you not be a pirate?
1: Right, right. It was just uh, harder to get around than I thought. I went uh, trick or treating with some of my friends, and yeah, on some icy roads. So yeah, it was it was tricky.
0: <laughs> so Peter, uh, what's your favorite race distance? Now assuming we're let's not talk about the ruptured Achilles. Uh, so regardless of the injury, what's your favorite race distance?
1: Well, that's the beauty about trail running is you don't have to say oh my favorite distance five k or ten k or twenty six point two. I I've done races. I generally like 10, 10 to 20 miles, that range. Um, I've done really well at the marathon distance in the mountains. Uh, I've been on two U.S. mountain running teams for the long distance mountain running world championship. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't have one specific distance. Um, rather, what I would say is I like high altitude and I like running uphill. Okay. Steep uphill. Um on, on gnarly terrain. I, I think I'm I found that I'm better at that than say running a flatter, faster type of race. So something that's right in my backyard is the Pike's Peak Ascent, which is seven thousand eight hundred and fifteen feet of vertical gain in a matter of thirteen point three two miles. So essentially a half marathon again, not exactly half marathon because it's 0.22 longer than half marathon. But um, you gain almost 8,000 feet. And if you're not ready for that, that's a shock. It's, uh, it's a lot of elevation gain. And uh, that's why I feel like I've done well with those high altitude and and uh, longer high altitude races. Is that, you know, I have for one, I have Pikes Peak in my backyard. And it's just a matter of training, training in an area that you're going to race in. And a lot of people don't have that opportunity to get to the high high altitude and have a a, a sustained climb for 13, over 13 miles.
0: I'm tired just thinking about it. I was uh, really surprised at what about 7,500 feet of elevation gain felt like over a 31 mile race. So (laughs) having a little bit more elevation gain in a shorter race of only about half marathon or so is, is just, you know, you're running uphill almost the entire time. It's just really incredible. Um, So Peter, you have mentioned it before, but where can we learn more about the American trail running association?
1: Well, you can talk to any one of my colleagues, or you can go to trailrunner.com. Um, and again, I, I, guess I didn't explain what exactly we do. Um, basically Atra was formed, uh, to educate people, to motivate people, uh, as a support network, um, who informs you about what's going on in the trail running world. For example, this weekend is the world mountain running championship in uh, Patagonia. And so. Um, half our team is there, Richard Bolt and Nancy Hobbs are both there. They, uh, they are team managers for, um, the team and, um, we have an online events calendar that has 3,600 events, trail, mountain, and ultra events. And we got some, some new quirky ones in there, like Canacross. I don't know if you've heard of that, but no, it's racing what's that? with your dog.
0: Oh, <laughs> Nice.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that is, uh, we have the largest online events calendar on the, on the interwebs. Um, again, that's at dot That's, that's probably our most, uh, that's what we're most well known for. And, um, we have trail news articles that, that, uh, that come out almost on a daily basis, um, informational, um, you know, how to tips for running uphill. Tate Coleman does a lot of those uh, articles and he, he's great at um, motivating people and giving them insight into what he does. Um, he's been on a few, he's actually a bronze medalist at the long distance mountain running world championship. And uh, we have a lot of projects too. We did the Western States Trekker project, which is we took the, the Google, you know, the Google Earth. Um, no, not Google Earth, Google,
0: uh, map, yeah, street uh, view.
1: St- street, street view. That's what it's called. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember that because I don't want to think of street view when we're taking it on the trail. I'll call it the trail view. Um, but basically we, it's this 50, 55 pound pack. It has 15 cameras on it. We, we took it the, the whole length of the Western States. 100 race. And Max King was actually involved with this. Um, He took it on sections of the trail, and that was done over a few days. And then I was involved with the uh, Pikes Peak Trekker uh, project, which is, again, we took it up Pikes Peak on the Pikes Peak Marathon and Ascent uh, course. And so you can see all of that on our um, resource page, or that would be on our Explore tab uh, on trailrunner.com. And then basically, just have uh, resources like how to get started, uh, coaches and camps, uh, book reviews. Uh, we have an event event liability insurance program, and we're just kicked off an accident insurance. This is for accidents uh, for individuals participating in in trail events or um, or ultra events. So there's. There, there's a lot on there, and if you dig through it, you can you can find out a lot on um, you know educating yourself and getting involved. So, trailrunner.com, and, and uh, we're lucky to have that that uh, website because Nancy was held it back in 1996. I know we were offered to sell it a few times, but it was offered to be purchased from us, and said no, we're good.
0: Well, I'm glad you've kept it. The the website really has a ton of useful information on it from trail races to opportunities to get involved with trail maintenance projects and other things that you guys are doing. So if anybody listening is interested in trail running and they want to do some trail maintenance work, which I think is great cross-training. It's great, uh, a, a great contribution to the sport of trail running. And it gets you outside doing some physical labor, which is kind of fun for me. You know, I spend most of my day uh, in my office and, you know, sitting behind a computer. And, you know, my daily run or getting outside to do work like this, I actually really like. And it's a way for me to kind of a little, uh, disconnect a little bit. So I will definitely link that up in the show notes, Peter, so everyone can check out the resources page and all that. And then finally, where can we learn more about Peter Maximo? PeterMaximo.com? Well, that's easy. It's not
1: really up and running yet. Well, it's difficult to spell, but um, yeah, it's Um, M-A-K-S-I-M-O-W. That's in the works, PeterMaximo.com is. But um, otherwise, you can find out at Atra. At trailrunner.com, um, I write some articles and do some blogging. And uh, again, if in anyone who, who is doing some blogging or does something on the trails, reach out to us. Let us know. We, we'd be happy to, to uh, talk with you about it, maybe write an article. Uh, I think it's important to get community involved. If you become a member, we have, we have corporate memberships. Uh, which are companies and um, organizations, races, but we also have individual membership. And we have a, Nancy puts out a, every two weeks or so trail uh, uh, e-newsletter, and you can win entries to our member races. So we've given out, I forget the number. I think it was $12,000, Nancy told me, in uh, race entries. So, you know, for for as little as uh 30 bucks, you can win a uh $70 race entry.
0: Sounds like a great deal. Yeah. Well, Peter, thank you so much for talking more about Atra and the work that you guys are doing and uh some of the topics that I don't think are as well known in the running community, but I think should be. So, this was really eye-opening and I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thank you for uh Dealing with the uh, computer issues, and thanks for all you do. It was a pleasure meeting you at the U.S. Trail Conference.
0: You as well, Peter.
1: I I hope to see you there next year. We just announced it in Fayetteville, uh, Arkansas in 2020.
0: Yeah, that sounds exciting. I've never been to Arkansas before.
1: All right. Well, it sounds like you're going to be running on the trails with us.
0: (laughs) I hope so. All right, Peter. Well, thanks again for all you do. Yeah, I appreciate the time, Jason. And there we have it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if so, an honest review on Apple Music is incredibly appreciated. As always, you can find show notes, links to books, resources, training programs, videos, and more that we discussed on the show at strengthrunning.com. And please, I hope you check out our sponsor for today's show, SteadyMD. I couldn't do this podcast without the support of our sponsors. And SteadyMD is a very interesting company. It's led by Sub3 Marathoner, Dr. Josh Emder. And their goal is to give you a personal doctor online that's just for runners to help you stay fit, healthy, injury-free, and competitive. And the best part, there's no copays, no waiting rooms, or surprise bills. Instead, you're going to get same-day responses from a doctor who's there for you 24-7. So you can get prescriptions filled or see a specialist a lot more easily since your doctor knows your needs. And if you haven't seen a doctor or maybe even a physical therapist who has no experience with runners, then you know just how valuable this is. To hard charging athletes. Having a doctor who gets you and your running goals and what training does to the human body is priceless. Go to steadymd.com slash strengthrunning to see if there are any spots left and how you can benefit from having a primary care physician who's also a runner. That's steadymd.com slash strengthrunning to see all the details they've put together for you. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And as always, if you have any feedback or questions for me, don't hesitate to reach out. My email is support at strengthrunning.com and I'm here to help. Talk to you soon.